0: hey well good morning good to see all of you hope you're doing well hope you're excited as Anthony uh shared we're finishing our series uh four-part series today you're coming in at the end of the movie so sorry but you're going to get a lot out of it in any case because sometimes the ending is the best part of the movie right it's the crescendo it's the right it's the drum roll Uh, But I want to just to to start before we get into our series if you're a guest here today I want to welcome you. It's so great to have you want you to feel welcome in your house Uh, If you want to know anything more about our church We're here to help you into a growing relationship with with Jesus And I also want to give a shout out to our volunteers yesterday That helped with the cold winter shelter for the homeless those of you came out and helped Thank you. I appreciate so much uh they're actually opening up this week, uh, the Cold Winter Shelter in Pomona. It's at the Armory uh, in downtown Pomona. And uh, if you weren't able to come yesterday, that's okay, because we've got five months. They've extended the season. We've got five months to serve the homeless. And uh, they really appreciate us. Uh, you know, different organizations were out there yesterday taking pictures. And, and I really believe it's letting our light shine. But more than anything, uh, it's about the people. That we can let them know, uh, homeless people, let them know, hey, God hasn't forgotten you. And uh, He has not let go. He's not giving up on you, no matter your situation. And that's kind of us as, as, as we shine. We wanna do that. So thank you guys for doing that. wanna just kinda give us a little bit of a run over in, in, in what we, a few weeks ago, we started out with, with rolling out our, our vision statement as a church. And, and here it is love God, live change. And Light the way. This is who we want to be. And this is what we talked about uh, on August 30th. And then the last three weeks, we've kind of gone through, you know, how do we get here? How do we get to this place that we want to be? And this is our mission statement. Uh, This is the how, okay? Follow as disciples, connect as family, and go as missionaries. And so we've been basically talking that all the way through the last three weeks. And today we're going to bring it all together and and just how important it is for every one of us to be a part of this mission. But it's really important what, I found this quote uh, that uh, Joel Barker, he's a a very famous entrepreneur, he gives speeches all over the world, and and he, he came up with this phrase, and I believe it's very fitting to what we've been talking about the last few weeks, a vision without action is merely a dream. Action without vision is just the passing of time. But vision with action can change the world. Now let me ask you a question. Do you really believe that you can change the world? I mean, if we were just to do a survey, you know, I probably would say most of us, if we were honest with ourselves, would say, there is no way I could change the world. But that's exactly why you're here is so that God can say to you, I have vision for you and I want to put you in action so that you can, people just like us, did this in the second and third century. In fact, followers of Jesus overthrew, through peace and love and compassion, overthrew the the biggest empire in the world, the Roman Empire. They conquered the Roman Empire, if you can believe that. this, this is actually, but this word here, action, is so important that you and I are embrace action, that we're going to be willing to do the vision statement, the mission statement, and live it out. Okay, so today what I want to talk about is a concept. Okay, I want to talk about a concept that's been very, very near to my life for a, long, a lot of years, especially as a, as a minister. Uh, I, I have felt the, the effect of this, con- this uh, concept. And I'm sure you have too. And it's very, very real. okay. But before we do that, I want to introduce you to a little friend that I've brought as an illustration. OK, you ready? He's going to help me make my point. OK, I'm going to have the camera zero in. OK, everybody, this, this is Nemo. All right, this is, this is Nemo, just so you can see uh, who he is. He was given this name Nemo by a five-year-old little girl in Walmart. As I was getting this fish, she basically said, what's his name? And I said, well, he doesn't have a name. You want to give him a name? She's the cutest little thing. And she said, can I have him? <laughs> and I said, well, maybe after, but I'm going to need him for today. But uh, she gave him the name Nemo. So, Nemo, this is the Lighthouse Church. Church, this is Nemo. Can you guys say, hi, Nemo? Hi, Nemo. The kids get this, but you older guys, you've, you've lost it. Like, what are you doing? It's a fish. What I want to talk about today is this, this whole concept. You know, you can see exactly what Nemo is doing at every second. In fact, he's on full display. Okay? Everything he does can be seen. You know, and I think, I think it's time for Nemo to eat, so let's watch him eat, okay? It's his feeding time. Okay, I think I brought some food for him. I know he's pretty hungry because he's got, he's got a pretty big body. They say they can grow up to be six inches long. I don't think he's going to fit in this tank. And the guy also recommended that uh, he needs a friend, okay? So it's feeding time for, for, for Nemo, okay? Here you go, Nemo. Lunchtime. He's very excited. Okay, it's lunchtime. See how he gets excited when there's movement? There you go, buddy. All right, so what does this have to do with church? <laughs> what, what in the world is this all about? What are we going to do next in church? In fact, I was, I was talking with the, the guy there at Walmart. He was telling me, said, is this for one of your kids? And I said, you won't believe what it's for if I told you. He said, no, really, what's it for? I said, I'm a minister, and this is to make a point. Uh, in church. And he goes, you know, that's really cool. Is this the first time you've done it? And I said, yes, but I've done a lot of other crazy things at church. (laughs) Okay? But I said, hey, you need Jonathan, you need to come and, and see what I'm gonna do with the fish tomorrow. So and I told him he could watch online too. But let me explain to you what this is all about. Let's get to the point. Okay? Enough about Nemo. What we're gonna talk about today is this whole idea it's called the fishbowl effect. The fishbowl effect. And this is what it means a feeling, a feeling of, or a reality wherein every move you make is observed and noted and scrutinized and filed away for judgment. Okay? You ever felt like you were in a fishbowl? Uh, There's a a going thing out there that preacher's kids, I'm a preacher, preacher's kids suffer this effect that basically because their dad is the preacher and he preaches, they're supposed to be the model kids, right? PKs, they call them. There's even a program on television, I think, somebody told me, I haven't seen it, but they, uh, preacher's kids, and I hear it's a train wreck because these kids of preachers are way way out there as far as the complete opposite of what their parents do and say but it's kind of like nemo here everything he does is being observed and noted and judged and scrutinized have you ever felt this way and if you call yourself a Christian and people know you're a Christian, guess what? You're going to be in somewhat of a fishbowl, like it or not. Because people automatically, they know who you are and what you're about, and they want to, they, they're going to put you out there for display. And I got to share this with you guys because this has been a part of my life uh, for, for a long time, that a lot of what I do and say and How I say it, how I dress, how I look, where I live, car I drive, even the shoes that I wear, people make a note. I had a guy come up to me one time and he says, hey, I just want to share, I appreciate you as, as a minister because of the shoes you wear. And I go, what? Yeah, because, you know, other ministers, they wear these really high-end shoes, and you wear the low-end shoes. (laughs) I couldn't believe it, but I was like, okay, whatever, you know, that's good. But, you know, that and combined with everything else, here it is. My life is on display. In fact, when we moved here 10 years ago, we had to talk about where I was going to live, where our family was going to live, what part of town, what kind of house, you know, these kinds of things. And you know, there, there are times, i got to be honest with you, where it's, it's, it's a little annoying because you're always being watched. But you have two choices in life. You can embrace it and use this effect and leverage it make the world a better place, or you can resent it and be rebellious. And that's what a lot of people choose to do. And, you know, the question is, who's watching? Who's watching? You know, if you decide to follow Jesus, I, I really want you to know this, that people are watching. Someone's watching. Maybe everyone's watching. If they know enough about you, And they know who you're about, what you're doing. People are gonna watch you, and they're gonna observe you. and And your life is gonna be a little bit or a lot like Nemo here. Everything. In fact, let's stop. What's he doing now? He's swimming around. He's eating his food. What are you doing now? What are you gonna do later? And, and, and you kind of get the point. And, and, and the thing is, is what's your reaction? Typically what people do is they, they don't like this effect. In fact, they, they, they want to hide. Hey, I don't want anybody looking at me. I want my privacy. I want my life. But as we talk about being a church, and if, if, you're, a, if you're a guest here today, I want to welcome you, and, and you can listen in on the conversation. This conversation really is for the members of our church. But you might find some things for you that might be helpful. But look at what Jesus said about the fishbowl effect and how, how we need to respond and how we need to, to react to this. In, in Matthew chapter 5, it was a Sermon on the Mount. And look what he said. And this is how we came up with our name, Lighthouse Church of Christ, uh, as a region and as a, as, a, as a church. Matthew 5, verse 14 through 15 it says you are the light of the world the town built on a hill cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house okay so what's Jesus saying to us as followers hey I I want you to be Nemo I want you to be out there for people to see In fact, I want to use you to help people get in a right relationship with God. And if you know anything about what Jesus is talking about, he's he's talking about the Jewish life and people that lived in homes in Palestine, they were small homes. And so when the sun went down, there wasn't electricity and these things we take for granted, but they, they had to light a lamp. And it was just an ember, it was a flame like that. And so with just that little bit of light, where did they have to put that little bitty light, that lamp? They had to put it in the middle of the room, and they had to elevate it. And Jesus is saying, you know that lamp in your house when the sun goes down? That's what I want you to be. That's how I want to use you, because as we all know, right, we know this, the world is hurting, isn't it? The world is going through a lot. There's a lot of darkness out there. In fact, watch the news and walk away from the news and have a positive attitude that, hey, everything's going great. Oh, and you guys in school, you guys at work, you know, in your neighborhoods, the world is hurting, hurting. And Jesus says, I want to do something about that hurt, but I want you to help me with the hurt. And I want you to be that light. I want you to be Nemo. I want you to be out there in front of people so they can see. And he goes on in verse 16. He says this, in the same way, let your light shine. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven so that they may see you. I want people to see you and see what you do, to see how you live. And that can make some of us feel uncomfortable, right? Right? You know, that's not really my personality. And it may shock some of you, there are sometimes me personally and my personality, I don't like to be up in front. In fact, this whole fishbowl concept, the fishbowl effect started at a really early time in my Christian life because, see, my brother-in-law was the minister of the church that I, that I was a part of, where I was converted and I became a part of. One month one month after I got baptized, they asked me to do a lesson in front of the campus ministry. I was just a baby Christian. We want you to teach. I'm like, what? I just got here, dude. Yeah, but you're, you're the minister's brother-in-law. Yeah, but do you know who I am? Do you know what my life was just like a month ago? Do you know the things that I was involved in? Do you know the crowd that I was running with? Do you know what my life was like? Yeah, but you're the minister's brother-in-law. This is my very first time ever speaking publicly. Never done it before. 21 years old. And it wasn't just the college students. See, they didn't tell me this. They said, well, the college students are going to be there, but all the guests that come for Bible school, okay, because we used to have Bible school before church, At 8 in the morning, okay, if you have a problem with 9.30, okay, have compassion on me. We have 8 in the morning, we'd we'd have Sunday school, we call it. And so everybody that wasn't going to a particular class would come. And so there were 80 people in this class. I was like, what? I've never spoken in public before. I've never done this. And so needless to say, I was just, I was covered in sweat. I was so nervous. But right from the get-go, I already was in front of people. But I decided, you know what? If God gives me this opportunity, I I want to let my light shine before others. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but sometimes the Bible can seem like it contradicts itself. And as the more you study the Bible, the more you're going to see... This effect, this this thing that happens. The very next chapter, let's listen to what Jesus said. This is going to throw you for a loop maybe. Matthew 6, the very next chapter. Same sermon, okay, same sermon on the mount. Okay, I want you to shine. I want people to see you. Then look at what he says. Verse 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of other people to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So Jesus, which one is it? Okay, you're the light of the world, but do your stuff in private, not to be seen. Okay, look, can we go back? Let your light shine before others and do not practice your righteous acts in front of others to be seen by them. So, which one is it? Public or private? What do you think? Pretty, pretty. Here's one thing you need to understand when you study the Bible. Jesus would never contradict himself. He would never contradict an existing commandment or verse in the Old Testament. So anytime you see what there could be this conflict, you gotta go a little deeper. What's Jesus talking about? He's actually talking about three specific things. Prayer, giving to the poor, and fasting. And what was he addressing? He was addressing the motivation that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had when they did these three things. Why did they do those three things? And with what motivation did they do it? Did they do it for God? Or did they do it for themselves? See, the reason why Jesus is saying this is because they were doing it for themselves to be noticed It's not about helping other people, and it's not about God. It's about me. I want to be out there. I want to be noticed. And there's people like that, right? There's people like that. It's really not about God. They'll just take any microphone, platform, and they will use it to get attention. You got some people like that in your school, right? But it's the motivation. It's the heart behind it. Jesus is not saying, I don't want you to be a private person. I want you to have the right motivation when you do things because you're going to pray, right? And people are going to catch you praying. Particularly if you pray before you eat, people are going to see that you pray, but you don't want to do it with a motivation. Hey, hey, everybody, just want you to know, I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to pray out loud, and I'm going to want you to hear everything that I'm saying. And when I fast, I'm going to make my face look all just really disfigured, and I'm so hungry, and oh, I'm doing this for God, and aren't I spiritual? Aren't I good? I'm such a good person, aren't I? See? See my face? He says, don't do that. And when you serve the poor, don't carry around the sign, see how good of a person I am? See what I'm doing? It's no longer for God, is it? So it's not that Jesus is saying don't do things in public, it's do it with the right motivation. And Nemo, he needs to do with the motivation of, hey, I wanna glorify God, God made me, and I understand this beautiful orange color that I have, where did it come from? God made me. And, and we want people to know it's, it's about him, not about me. And so, As we go on, okay, so how do I make my light shine? What's one of the biggest areas that I can make my light shine? Look at what John said. A new commandment I give you. John chapter 3, This Jesus speaking through John. John gave the testimony. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus said this. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know. So again, repeating, everybody's going to know who you are. They're going to see it by the way you love. They will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In fact, this is how Jesus said we're going to change the world. But let me give you a little heads up. What's this say about relationships? They got to be deep, right? They got to be close. What happens in close relationships? Rama <laughs> right anybody who tells me oh we've been friends for so long and we've never had a fight when I get couples that tell me that they've never fought in 20 years 50 years 30 years I go mm. <laughs> because my experience is anytime you get in a relationship with somebody in a deep relationship there's going to be conflict and guess what else You get with people that have a rough background of not doing this, guess what happens? And you guys who are married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're going to get hurt. Okay, so if you love one another the way Jesus is saying, there's going to be some hurt involved, right? In church world, you say, well, man, if we really love each other the way we're supposed to, is there going to be hurt? And some of you are like, man, there should never be any hurt in church. Church is like the oasis. It should be the place where there's no hurt, there's no drama. Let me just let you know the truth, okay? There's going to be hurt. And how you manage that, how you deal with that. Are you going to keep shining? Are you going to keep out there loving in spite of it? And here's the key. If you really love as Jesus loved, what did Jesus do with us? when we hurt him over and over and over and over again. What does he do with us? He what? He forgives. If you're going to love the way Jesus is saying, guess what you're going to have to do? A lot. Because you're going to get offended a lot. And there's going to be hurt. And we're trying not to. Okay? We're trying not to. But it happens. People together hurt each other. And we've got to be willing to forgive. And let stuff go. That's the way we're going to love the way Jesus taught us to. So I want everyone to know how you love. Okay, so what about when no one's looking? What do you do then? What's your example like? What's your light like when no one's watching? You know, are you still trying? You know, and here's a here's reality. People are watching almost all the time. And, and, and you, can, you can resent that or you can embrace it and go, you know what, I'm going to use this, I'm going to leverage this so that I can have the biggest impact and make this world a better place. Bring some light to the darkness. But it means i got to be out there and people may scrutinize me for what I say and what I do. Now, i got to share with you guys because uh, sometimes we think people aren't watching and they are. I remember uh, a day I was driving in the car with my wife, and this isn't a great story, but it, it is what it is. <laughs> okay, we're driving the car, and I was talking with, on the phone with a headpiece, okay, so it wasn't illegal, but it was, I was talking with, a, with a, a, another minister from another region in the L.A. church. And we finished the conversation, and I thought I hung up the phone. Mm -hmm. And Laura and I get to talking and the conversation gets heated because we had a disagreement and I got impatient. And I, I had an edge. It was a sinful edge. It was wrong. And I know I wouldn't have talked that way or said those things in the way that I said it with somebody watching. And guess what? somebody was I looked at the phone oh my gosh they heard everything And see this is what I'm talking about when you think no one's watching people are watching we can't hide in the world in Los Angeles we're not in Montana guys we are in we are in Los Angeles people are watching us all the time Our houses are right next to each other. They know exactly what we're doing, when we're doing. Every conversation is overheard. Okay? They can hear the the toilet flushing. (laughs) People are watching. And you've got to make a choice. Am I going to be a good example all the time or just some of the time? And that was very revealing uh, about that, that, that situation. What do you do when no one's looking? John chapter 15 Verse 16, you did not choose me, Jesus said to his disciples, and I believe he would say it to us, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that wherever, whatever you ask for in my name, the Father will give you. You know, sometimes when we get put in the spotlight, you can think, are you seriously Jesus? You chose me? Why me? Why me? Do you know me? I think you made a mistake in choosing me, Jesus. Because I'm a mess. I'm a failure. I got problems. I got issues. I don't think you made the right choice in choosing me, Jesus. Are you sure? You sure it's not a mistake? Let me tell you something about Jesus. He doesn't make mistakes. And he believes in you more than you believe in yourself. I think some of you need to come to grips with the love that Jesus has and the faith that Jesus has in us. Yes, I chose you. You didn't choose me. You think you came to church? I brought you to church, is what Jesus is saying. I orchestrated this whole thing so that you would be here and so that things would work out. I am behind you and I'm for you. Yes, I want to use your life, all your lumps included and warts and everything else you got. I want to use you. Now, he says, I want to use you to bear fruit and help other people, but he encourages us and so that whatever you ask for in my name, my Father will give you, and he's talking about prayer here. See, we can't be a light without God's help. And this is an assurance that Jesus is giving us. I'm going to be there for you. Yes, you're going to be a light, but you're going to need my help because you're not going to know what to say a lot of times. You're not going to know what to do a lot of times. And you're going to feel like unworthy that you should not be doing this. You should not be where you are because you're going to focus on your failures and you're not going to focus on God and you're going to f- stumble and fall. And, and, and can I just be honest with you guys, even as a minister in the last 25 years, I've made a, a bunch of mistakes and I had a lot of failure and I've hurt a lot of people. And there's times where I say, man, really, Jesus, you... You sure you made the right choice? And I've been doing this a long time. And so I want to encourage you, if you think Jesus has made a mistake in choosing you and saying, hey, come follow me, I want to encourage you, he does not make a mistake. He loves you and he believes in you that much. Let's keep moving. Here's another verse, that, that's, that's and this is for the guests. I got, I got a special verse for the guests in the house, okay? You guys that are here, and you know about the fishbowl, and you know you've seen plenty of Christians with, with like some brown stuff here on the bottom. <laughs> right? And you've used that as an excuse of why not to follow Jesus, not to become a Christian, not to be a part of church. I will never be a part of church because... Christians are what? There you go, see with somebody with an edge. You just you just push that button and it boom it all comes out. Look at what what look at what Paul said here. He says, Don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. You can't play Christianity. You You can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. What's Paul saying here? If you see somebody who's a bad example as a Christian, they're reaping what they've sown. They're faking it. You know, a couple weeks ago, we we were in Mexico, and there was a driver who gave my wife a ride to the airport because she left before I did, and and she was talking to him about church, and, and this gentleman said that he has a neighbor who's a Christian, and she's a horrible example. And he said, I just wish I could see a good example of a Christian marriage. And he admitted that his own marriage was, was a mess and that he needed help. But he's looking to his neighbor and she needs help as bad as he does. And he said this to her. He said, if I could just see one good example of a Christian marriage, I would go to church in a second. I'll believe it when I see it, but... We hooked them up, and you know, I believe in Mexico City there are great examples of awesome marriages, not perfect, but awesome marriages, inspiring marriages. There's people out there that are dying to see an example, and they don't want perfection. In fact, they want real. They want to know that you're not perfect, but I guarantee you, your imperfection, the way you do it, is a bright light. But I know some of you, You've used this as an excuse that, yeah, they're just playing Christianity. They're mocking, and and that's why I will never become a Christian. Let me help you out. You're letting somebody's bad example keep you from God? You're going to let somebody who's a fake, who's a fake, put a wall between you and God so that you can't have a relationship with God? Well, I got God in my own way. I can do this at home by myself. Hey, you and I both know, you're not living the life. You're no no more than a Christian than the man on the moon. Okay, I know, because I felt that way. I remember having arguments with my best friend who's an atheist, and and I used to say, man, you need to believe in God, and you need to do this, and you need to... And you know what he would say? So you believe in God, right? How come you don't practice everything that God wants you to practice? I had no answer. Because I was just as foul-mouthed and as immoral and as sinful as he was. There was no difference between his life and my life. I wasn't a Christian. But I use this excuse. I've seen some bad examples. Don't let anyone keep you from God. And there are good examples. You've got to keep looking. You've got to keep searching. And God will reveal them to you. But don't make excuses because... It's not true. And, and here he says, whoever sows to please the Spirit from that Spirit will reap eternal life. What's he saying here? You and I can't be an example and can't be a light by ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit in order to do this. And if your marriage is struggling and failing and your life morally is failing, you're reaping what you sow. You're not tapping into the power that the Holy Spirit can give you to overcome the sins in your life and and, and not allowing the Holy Spirit to let you and help you to forgive the hurt, the anger, the resentment, whatever it is that's holding you back. I want to encourage you to, 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 to really seek God and really seek a relationship with God and tap into the power that He has to change your life. See, because we can't do this I can't do this job. I can't be this person without God's help. And we will reap eternal life, not just ours, but people around us. All right, so let's bring it all together. Hey, teens. Teens in the house. Is there anybody watching you? Like Nemo. Anybody watching Who's watching? Teachers, yeah. (laughs) You know who's watching? Kids that are younger. There's a class going on right underneath this floor, preteens. They're watching you and they look up to you. Children, you know our children's ministry? They see a teenager and they go, Wow, you're a teenager? Can I have your autograph? I mean, they they look up to teens, teens are the, the, you know, they're they're like, wow, college students. Is anybody watching? They're watching. And, And just so you guys know, your fellow students at school are watching. People are watching. College students, these guys are watching you. Your fellow students on campus are watching you. Now you have an option. You can rebel and say, well, I don't want to be Nemo. I want to be a private person. I want to do my thing. I don't want to be in front of anybody. I'm not a public person. Listen, it comes with the territory. If you're going to follow Jesus, you got to remember what he says. You are the light of the world. Don't fight it. Don't rebel against it. Don't be a preacher's kid on the reality TV show that you wanna prove it to the world that you're your own individual and nobody's gonna tell you what to do and you're gonna follow what you feel is right. Garbage, you're gonna follow what the world says and you're gonna fit in and do everything that everybody else does. That's the reality. Okay, so singles, we got any singles in the house? Who's watching you? Our college students. Are you being an example? Young marrieds, marrieds, parents, grandparents. Is there anybody watching you? Yes. There's a ton of people watching. And you can use your Nemo platform to change people. Here's a couple of quotes. What your children as parents, what your children and grandchildren, nieces and nephews see you do will lay lay the groundwork for what they do in a moment of crisis. Watching people—you don't think they're watching, but they are. And, and this is true because I draw this from my parents all the time. I reference them all the time, and sometimes not the good. But I try to hold on to the good. Here's another one: people around you will forget just about every. This is discouraging, especially if you're a preacher. People around you, people around you will forget just about everything you say. Today, for this last 35 minutes, but they will never forget who you are, what you are, and what we did. They're never going to forget the example that you lived out. Now, you can, you know, rebel against that, or you can embrace it and go, hey, And here's the weirdest thing. This is, you know, the people in our society, that they're the misfits and the loners, you know what they want? You know what they want? It's weird. They want to be noticed. They want to know if their life counted. And they'll do the weirdest things, awful things to get attention in front of other people, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's it's sad. It's so sad when you when you have attention, you don't want it. When you don't have attention, you want it. Jesus is saying, "Hey, I want to I want to put the lights on. Will you embrace it? Will you be the example? Will you be the model?" So let, let, here's what I, I broke it down basically. Let's embrace the bull. Let's 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 embrace the, 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 the fishbowl effect, the fishbowl concept, however you want to call it, that this is going to be you. That I'm out there and Jesus wants me out there and he wants to use my life. And if you're a guest here today and you, you kind of like a private person, I guarantee you at some point you're going to go, I wish I'd have done more with my life to influence people. I wish I'd have been a better example. Everybody goes through that, and it's usually towards the end. I could have done more. Then do it now, it's never too late. Make that change that can inspire people. So, giving of your time. How do you embrace the bowl? You give of your time. You say, It's not all about me. I I wanna make time for other people, I wanna make time to help other people. I wanna set aside in my schedule time for other people. Not be too busy. You're, you're the one. Don't let business and business busyness of life dictate your schedule. Okay, you're the captain of your ship. Well, I'm busy. Why? Because you chose to be. Leave a little margin in your schedule, in your time, so you can give to other people. There's somebody in our relationships. Don't settle for superficial, distant relationships. Get dirty. Get in each other's lives. It's messy, yes, but it's worth it because we help each other change. Your morality, you know, people are watching the way you live. You know, and we gotta do the right thing all the time when it comes to our morality and and sacrificial living, that, that we'll be willing to sacrifice our time, our money, and our talents. And that's the last one. Use your gifts. You know, you have amazing gifts. Are you using those to benefit other people? And my vision is that we can set everybody free to use their gifts to the maximum. But you've got to knock on that door. You've got to want to let people notice. Okay, so last week we, and we're going to wrap it up, last week we talked about this. It was your homework, remember? The fairy tale ending. Last week, Saturday, all of you beautiful women were a part of a Woman's Day, right? And I asked you last Sunday, and this is, goes per- perfect point that you forget what I said, <laughs> but I asked you to come up with a verse that describes Jesus' fairy tale ending. You know, in the Disney movies, they always have the fairy tale ending, right? The prince and the princess, you know the beauty and the beast. Over and over again, Cinderella and the prince, and over and over again, what fairy tale ending? What was the fairy tale ending for Jesus? Is any, can anybody, a little audience, participate? Anybody find an example in the scriptures? You mean you didn't do your homework? Yes. Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Okay, that's good. That's a good verse, you know, awesome, great. It's not the one we're looking for. I'm talking Disney ending to the movie. You want to know what it is? Here it is. Revelation chapter 19, verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roaring and rushing of waters, and like a loud peals of thunder, shouting hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. That's what goes on in heaven. That's what goes on in heaven. I mean, it's it's loud. Now here's the Disney ending. You ready? Verse 7. Let us rejoice. And be glad the word cut a letter cut off. Be glad and give him glory. The wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen bright and clean was given to her to wear. The fine linen stairs stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. What's the storybook ending for Jesus? There's going to be a wedding. Jesus and his bride you know what his, who his bride is Ephesians 5 talks about Jesus his bride is the church it's us Revelation 20 Revelation 21 talks about the same thing it's his bride there's going to be a marriage. There's going to be a beautiful wedding ceremony. And I don't know if you've been to one lately. we got Reach and Amber here. And, you know, we got, we got others. And I promise you, every wedding, I was at their wedding, I saw how Amber walked down the aisle. It was like it was a spotlight. It was the ta-da moment, right? Every bride wants that ta-da. i got my wife's picture on the mantle of my house. When a woman gets married, she's out there just like Nemo. In front of everyone, she's beautiful. She's dressed and she's ready. And it says how she dressed. She's dressed with fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. What's going to make you beautiful in Jesus' sight? When you live, our mission statement, just follow Jesus as a disciple. Connect his family because he loves it when we're connected as family. He loves it when our relationships are close and we're working out conflict and we're getting resolved and we never give up on each other just like he never gives up on us. And number three, we go as missionaries and we help other people come into the light. Man, it makes us beautiful. Let me just tell you this. Jesus wants to use this church. And Jesus wants to use you. But I know some of you, you're doing this. I don't want anybody to notice me. I'm here for me. And it's my relationship with God. And we don't like being out in front of people. We resent it. And we resent all that goes with it. Hey, let me me be honest with you guys. There's times where I don't like it. Particularly when it's negative. And yeah, I go, God, I just wish it could be better. I hate, I hate the scrutiny. I hate being put, you know, uh, uh. When you make a mistake, people know. See? But anybody, a parent, a leader, anybody who puts himself out there to make a difference is going to go through that. You've got to embrace it. But Jesus is saying, hey, I want to use your life. I want to use your marriage. I want to use your family. I want to use your example. Lumps and all, I want to use you to help this world be a brighter place. Yeah, but Jesus, I don't know. I'm not that good. Jesus Jesus responds, will you do it for me? Will you do it for me? And remember what I did for you. Will, will, Will you do it for a hurting world that I died for, that I care about? Will you do it for them? Will you step out of your comfort zone and and live in a fishbowl so people can see and embrace it and understand, hey, yeah, I know it's not convenient. Jesus knows, man, everything he did. Read it for yourself. All four Gospels, everything he did was criticized. Well, he eats with the sinners and he thinks he's righteous and everything he does, he thinks he's the son of God. Everything he did. He didn't wash his hands before he ate. I mean, really? Yeah, they criticize him for that. If you live like Nemo, they're going to criticize you. But you understand the bigger picture, and that's why you're willing to do it. Church, for Jesus, for Jesus. Friend who's here, I know you've made excuses for a long time about why you're not going to become a Christian and why you've stiff-armed God, and you've, well, you know. Listen, Jesus wants to use your life. Jesus wants to change you and help you and use your life and use us together. And the wedding will be glorious. And guess who's gonna be there? You're gonna be there. Our worldwide church, Disciples all over the world. People you don't even know. We're all going to be together. And we're going to celebrate. Let's pray for the communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. God, thank you for Jesus calling us to be a light. And God, we want to be used. There's a part of us, God, you created us with this desire to be useful and meaningful and to have a life that that counts for something, for someone. God, I pray that you'll help us to lean in. Right now, we're going to take the communion and we're going to remember what your son did for us as a motivation. And some of us feel unworthy, God. Even this past week, we've done things that we're ashamed of. We've we've fallen. We've made mistakes. We're guilty. We failed. But we take the communion as a reminder that Jesus' blood and his body was given so that we could get forgiveness again one more time and as many times as it takes. Thank you, God, that you do not give up on us. You never get up, give up and you never let go, and thank you that we can rem- remember that by taking the body and the blood of Jesus right now and the symbols that help us to remember how much you love us. Forgive us, God, and give us a new start And bless our church, God. Help us to work through the challenges that we have among us. And just love each other and forgive each other, just like you forgive us right now. Thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.